Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday. We've got a nice eight-game NBA slate on DraftKings. A little bit different over on FanDuel, but we're going to be covering it all for you here on the Strategy Show. Myself and Josh Engelman. Do us a favor as you come and like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we've got a giveaway for the people, Josh, because we're trying to expand our social platforms. You guys know about us on YouTube, obviously, because you're watching here as well as probably familiar with our Twitter accounts, but now also trying to get some people over to Instagram. So what we are doing is if you guys follow us on Instagram, it is stochastic underscore com over on Instagram. Guess how many points you think Alperin Shangun is going to have tonight? Whoever's closest is going to get a free subscription to our NBA lineup generator. So totally free chance to win some stuff. All you have to do is follow us on Instagram and just comment. How many points do you think Alperin Shangun is going to have? So go check out stochastic underscore com on Instagram. Josh, what's happened? How did last night go? Uh, I mean, I, I don't have more money than I did before, but I'm <laughs> happy with everything that happened on the way up to lock and with my swaps. So I guess that's really all that I can hope for. Uh, anything interesting for you? I was in as high as second in the $15 yesterday, and I thought I had a little bit of a sweat and then I uh, got passed by some Kawhi Leonard lineups late yeah. in, uh, in that one. So Overall, I felt like I had good lineups. I had uh, like a pretty good proportion, like four or five percent of my lineups finished in the top one percent of the fifteen dollar last night. But unfortunately, because the tournament pays out so ridiculously top heavy, if you don't have a lineup that ends up in like the top four, top five, you play one hundred fifty lineups, you simply ain't profiting for the night yeah. in that tournament. So had good lineups, lost to the rake, but just kind of the way it goes in in GPPs. Had some sweats, which is all I could ask for. Yeah, that's really, that's that's all you need. Just need some sweats. You need some Mikel Bridges in your life. Which I did. I had Mikel Bridges in my top lineups. The piece I was missing, though, was that goofball John Collins, who played garbage time for no reason at all for the Utah Jazz last night. It could have been, could have been quite different for me if John Collins, for whatever reason, just didn't play when the game was totally out of hand. And Pelican starters out of the game, Jazz starters out of the game, but John Collins just in there with the garbage time players to score an extra, you know, like 10 fantasy points in the fourth quarter and just bury me, as well as uh, Kawhi Leonard in the late stages of that game. But we've got tonight's slate to talk about, and uh, opening up with a fairly potentially one-sided game, Josh. Largest spread on the slate, it is the Minnesota Timberwolves on the road against the Washington Wizards. Should be a really good matchup on paper for Minnesota, as long as the game stays close. We've got nobody key that's on the injury report. Mike Conley rests last game. He's going to be back. Carl Anthony Towns last game scored over 40 points, real-life points, in the first half. And kind of ended up being the undoing of the Timberwolves because then they played the entire second half, no defense, just trying to get possessions quickly to get Carl Anthony Towns the ball to try to score points quickly. Team fell apart, ended up with Carl Anthony Towns getting benched in the late stages of the fourth quarter after scoring a career high 62 points. For tonight, Josh, in a matchup against the Wizards, what stands out to you for Minnesota? Mike Conley's ownership certainly stands out. 27% projected ownership on DraftKings right now. We have him with a 14% optimal rate, a negative 13 leverage. I think what's very clear here is that Mike Conley isn't going to be 27% owned when we get a little bit closer to lock. Uh, he's not going to be this giant negative leverage play. He's just going to be a solid play today at 5,300. I have 18%. I like him. He's a 0.9, 0.95 guy. Obviously, the matchup against Washington is as good as it gets. They're the fastest team in the league. They're the worst defense in the league. It doesn't get much better than that in terms of trying to get a better DFS spot. But Conley's a little over-owned right now. That, I, I don't believe that ownership is going to hold throughout the day, so I wouldn't overreact too much to it. You just kind of want to take bites at these Minnesota starters, whether that's 
an $8,700 Anthony Edwards, whether that's even Jaden McDaniels at 4,800 small forward, like that value works today. Towns still looks really good at 8,100 power forward center. Um, you know, I have no problem getting any shares of Rudy Gobert. I have no problem getting any shares of Nas Reed or Kyle Anderson. Like anybody that's really in the rotation today gets a giant benefit from facing the Wizards. I don't think anybody just immediately jumps off the page as like that guy is an overwhelming priority today. It's just the team in general is a priority. Yeah, the player I like the most for myself is Carl Anthony Towns, and uh, hopefully he could replicate the positives from his last performance. But it's really just Carl Anthony Towns has been underpriced for a little while now, particularly on DraftKings 8,100 when he's the power forward and center eligibility. We know he's a ceiling. We just saw it the last time that he was out and really good matchup for him against the Washington Wizards. They don't really have anybody who could match up against Carl Anthony Towns. So he's the player that I like the most here. If Mike Conley had more reasonable ownership, that's how I would I would also like getting to him. But yeah. I come in underweight to him when he's projected to be in north of a quarter of the field's lineups. But I agree with you. It's it's one of these slates, eight games. There's some players on the injury report. Conley's ownership is almost certainly going to be lower by the time we get closer to lock. Uh, anything else yeah. you want to talk about from Minnesota? Yeah, not really uh, important for the slate. But did you see the report, the last two-minute report for that Minnesota game where Towns dropped 60? No, but I, I watched the game because I had lineups with Carl Anthony Towns I was rooting for on that slate. And then also Eric yeah. ended up winning the $15 on that yeah. slate. Uh, but it was one of the worst foul call misses I've ever seen to finish a game because Carl Anthony Towns driving to the basket on the final, like the second to last offensive possession the Timberwolves had, he got fouled by like three guys at once. He yeah. gets hit on the body he gets hit on the shoulder and then I can't remember which player it was that ended up hitting his arm but it was just blatant foul calls and then once Cat didn't get the foul call he was just checked out of the last 20 seconds of the game wasn't even in on the plays just arguing with the ref in the middle of all the plays but I assume that's what was on the two-minute report there were 10 errors in the final <laughs> two minutes of the game three I believe I have the proportions right three of those were positive for Minnesota seven of them were positive for the Charlotte Hornets and then the other part of it, too, is just Car Anthony Towns, once the calls weren't going his way, he yeah. just fell apart towards the tail end of the day. He stopped playing defense. He's not getting back. He's taking horrific shots on offense. But, yeah, that was a game where it was, it was like 127-126. Car Anthony Towns should have been shooting two free throws with a handful of seconds left and really could have changed yeah. the outcome of that game. But uh, not the way it went. And on the other side of this game, we have the Washington Wizards, Josh, and uh, nothing really looks all that good to me on this side of the game. Do you see it differently? Everything is contrarian. No, not so much. Uh, so for everything that we like about Minnesota today, it's the opposite for the Wizards. They are facing the number one defense in the league. Minnesota plays, I have them 21st in pace. So good defense plays slow opposite recipe for Washington. They don't exactly have anything like super interesting. Daniel Gafford is obviously in play as like a center pivot. If somebody's getting any love, that's, that's not a problem at all. You know, he's going to play 28 minutes a night. If he can play that amount of time, he's a fantasy point per minute guy. I somehow ended up with 12% of DeLon Wright to start my day. I think that's just a, a function of what salary looks like so far. It's, it's telling me I need some sort of value somewhere. And I think we'll find that by the time the day is over. But he is the highest owned dude on draftings at 5%. So if you're looking for any sort of reference, he's at 5%. The highest optimal rate we have for anybody is Jordan Poole at 7. 
anytime you're just seeing single digits on both sides of those coins, it's really not the spot you're looking for. So let's move to a spot that could have some value to us tonight, Josh. And that is the Charlotte Hornets on the road against the Detroit Pistons. And listen, this is shitty versus shitty. This is the stoppable force versus the movable object. I didn't know it was going to be possible that the Detroit Pistons could be favored by multiple points in a game this season, but uh, they are. Detroit Pistons favored by three and a half points over the Charlotte Hornets. Fairly high total, 234 in the game, and also potential value on the Charlotte side of the game. Nick Richards is questionable. Cody Martin is questionable. What is it that stands out to you right now? And then what could potentially look good if the injuries break in a way? So while the person that I'm about to name is the guy that I have the third most of anybody here, our data certainly believes in what I'm about to say. We've got LaMelo Ball um, as a very positive leverage play. I also don't think that he is going to be 7% owned as we continue this day. We saw him play 35 minutes last time out. Um, Terry Rozier is now not a part of the Charlotte Hornets. We are freeing up ball handling, assists, shots. Uh, LaMelo Ball looks great if he's 7% owned today in a matchup against the Pistons. Here are the illustrious numbers for both of these teams. The Charlotte Hornets are 27th in offensive rating and 29th in defensive rating. Not to be outdone, the Detroit Pistons are 26th in offensive rating and 28th in defense. These two teams are shitty. And uh, that is a benefit for LaMelo Ball not playing alongside Terry Rozier. So I see, I think his ownership comes up throughout the day. You start to see him in that like 12, 13, 14 range, and he doesn't become that huge leverage play. But as it stands right now, LaMelo Ball is the priority to get to from Charlotte. That said, I also want to get to Miles Bridges, who gets all of those same benefits for Terry Rozier being off the floor. If Cody Martin is in, we have him as another positively leveraged play. He's 17% owned. I'm over the field on all three of these guys. Only 4,300, small forward eligible, going to play somewhere around 28 minutes. We went 29.7, so I'm even a little pessimistic there and still getting to him and then you know you can start getting pretty weird if nick richards is off i think pj washington starts to look a lot more interesting power forward eligible certainly going to get a bit of a usage bump with no terry rogier around those would be like the first four guys i have my eye on but Lamelo looks amazing today 1.56 DraftKings points per minute and 1.5 fandle points per minute this year for Lamelo ball with terry rogier off the court and it's also not a small sample size. He's played nearly 500 minutes with Rogier off the court this year. He is my favorite payup option on the slate relative to ownership if nothing changes later on the day. So I don't yeah. know if people are just under-projecting LaMelo for the absence of Terry Rogier. Maybe people haven't even noticed that Terry Rogier has been traded or aren't taking that into account enough or something. But LaMelo's numbers are fantastic this year. Like He's been an elite fantasy producer with Rogier off the court. So... I think LaMelo is a really strong option. DraftKings fan was somebody to yeah. pay up for. And I can't believe that he's not picking up more ownership. Now on the other side of things, if Richards is out, is there anything that you're going to be liking in the front court? Going back to PJ Washington or anything else? PJ Washington for sure. Because I think you're going to be able to give him a little bit more playing time, slot him in at the four and... You know, you'll feel just a little bit better about like he's he's a better offensive player when you play him at the five than he is if you play him at the four. Um, you know, like we'll have to entertain the fact that JT Thor could be a value play. What really matters then is like, what's the status of Cody Martin? Because that starts to make you feel a little bit better about Brandon Miller, who's at 6,100 shooting guard, small forward eligible. 
I don't think that anybody immediately looks great. Am I missing anybody here? Like, I mean, Nathan Mensa's flat 3K. It, it's he's 0.51 fantasy points per minute over yeah. these 30 days. So it's not as if he's lighting up the stat sheet. I'm not so sure if Richards is out that it's going to matter all that much. I would definitely like PJ Washington more. PJ Washington's had a brutal time with foul trouble in some of the games that he's played extended minutes. Here's the good news, though playing the Detroit Pistons who's getting him in foul trouble when you're playing Detroit so you'd think this is a game where he'd be able to stay on the court I'm seeing people in chat who are bringing up Brandon Miller here's the issue I have with Miller so he is now priced up to you know a not insignificant salary Josh mentioned $6,100 with Terry Rozier off the court this year Brandon Miller is only scoring 0.82 DraftKings points per minute so even if you go out and you say all right Brandon Miller plays 36 minutes tonight with Terry Rozier out at 0.82 fantasy points per minute you're not really looking at a guy who we could project for much upside at a price point in that 6K range. So that's the reason why Brandon Miller is uh, is not somebody who I really particularly like or project all that well. Is that how you see it as well? Yep, I didn't get a single share of him. Not that I would have any problem having him. Like the the matchup's great. The positions is totally fine. I just, I see the other Charlotte pieces as significantly better options. So let's move on to the Detroit Pistons side of the game. And the Pistons, a very rare game that they're going to be favorites. Favored by three and a half points. A big reason for them being favored on the fact that the Hornets suck. And they just traded away Terry Rozier. Kate Cunningham's back. Kate had missed some time due to a knee strain. So the first thing I want to ask you about Kate is what are you expecting from him from a playing time perspective? Because it's hard to imagine he's going to play full minutes coming back from a knee injury. You're not even naming the most interesting guy on Detroit right now, but we'll get to it. Uh, I gave him 30. Uh, We went 31 and a half. I have a hard time believing that he's just going to get a ton of playing time. It just doesn't make any sense to me for them to do it, but everything the Pistons do doesn't make sense to me, so I don't want to use that as the barometer. But like, I like the price tag at 7,800, and he was solid before. he, He was definitely picking up his rates prior to getting injured. Doesn't feel like today is the day that you want to go to him, though. I I assume they kind of treat him with kid gloves. And the reason I think they do that, even more so, because he's not the only guy coming back today. And this dude could be a problem. I just don't know how much he's going to play or who they're going to cut out of the rotation. But Monty Morris is back, has not played a single second for the Pistons yet this year. They want him to play. He is the flat 3K. If you project his minutes in any sort of aggressive way at all, he becomes a problem. We don't project him for any ownership, which is causing me to get 14% of him to start the day. I went 14 minutes. I tried to be pessimistic. It's a 13 and a half fantasy point projection. It's not out of the realm of possibility that he plays a little bit more than that, but I think he's an interesting value piece because to me, he is a priority to future Detroit. Yeah, and if we go ahead and look at what was his points per minute production last year? He was right under a fantasy point per minute. Good matchup as well against Charlotte. We don't know what his playing time is going to look like. And this is one of those situations where if you don't know what a guy's playing time is going to look like and they have some upside but also have downside, if they're highly owned, somebody I'm probably not all that interested in. But to Josh's point, I hadn't considered Monty Morris until Josh just brought him up there. It's a point well taken. Monty Morris... If you say that maybe he has the ceiling to play 20 minutes, which is not absurd to think if no. even if he's, you know, this is the guy who's a starting caliber NBA player. If he does get restricted, which is going to be the case, but 
20 minutes is still a fairly tight minutes restriction based on what we've seen Monty Morris play historically. If you give Monty Morris 20 minutes against the Charlotte Hornets, could he score 20-ish fantasy points and no ownership? Yeah, and that, that could be fairly appealing at his price. I could see it your way. Yeah, it's, and like, I don't... Like, I think they want him to be playing 24, 26, 28 minutes sometime in the future. They either want to trade him or play him. You know, you figure Alec Burks is probably going to be on the way out one way or the other. I just don't know with him being like, this is his first appearance for this. He's been out the entire year. My guess is that his minutes are relatively limited and he plays sort of the way like Marcus Sasser plays on days where Marcus Sasser just doesn't get a shit ton of extra minutes. So I went 14 minutes and I think I'll be pessimistic for it. And as value opens up, we won't get there. But if you knew that he was playing 20 minutes today, he'd be one of the more popular plays that you could get to because of his price tag. You know what's funny about the Detroit Pistons? As shitty as they are, they have a lot of NBA players on their roster, if you know what I mean. Like, you get yeah. to the end of their bench, and, you know, there's guys like Joe Harris who doesn't even get minutes for them. He's somebody who is an NBA player. We've got Mike Muscala, Monty Morris at the end of the bench. Now, these are NBA players, but this is something else now that I'm kind of looking at. This isn't going to have a mass amount of relevance for DFS, but does Killian Age just fall out of the rotation now? Where do the Monty Morris minutes come from? I think Sasser falls before Hayes. Not necessarily saying that I think that's how it should be, but I think that's what happens here. You also now have, like, you can get rid of Kevin Knox minutes if you need to and move people up the positional spectrum because if Cade is back, Cade is not a guard point guards guy. Like, we're talking, Cade is like a small forward that plays point guard offensively. So you can redistribute the defensive matchups up the positional spectrum when Cade is around. So I, I think Sasser is probably the odd man out. I hope that it's Killian Hayes, who it should be. Uh, no, I don't think there's much of a future in Hayes. Um, but I, it's the Pistons. Like, I don't trust them to make the right decisions in any way. I do have one thing we need to talk about here, though. Uh, yeah. Like, one of their, like, I don't know, their second best player. Boyan's 4% owned today. He's 5,800 small forward, power forward. I don't agree at all with the way that we have him projected. We gave him 26 and a half minutes. Unless I missed something... I don't think that's what he's put like his rotation in the last game was weird. He played in the third quarter and then never saw the floor again for the rest mm -hmm. of the game. I don't think that's a long-term decision for the Pistons unless I've missed something that they talked about. He, so Bojan asked to not go back into the game. Oh, okay. So I know why that happened. Oh, I okay. guess the young guys were cooking and uh, like yeah. uh, my, my process people filled me in on why that was happening. But like, I don't think he's going to always do that. Right. I, yeah, most likely not, but what the hell is this team going to do with the rotations? It's really hard to say. This could be a spot where nobody on the team plays over 30 minutes. It could it could be a weird game like that with Monty Morris back, and they might they might play a, a, an 11 man rotation today. And I look at it the opposite way. This is a matchup against Charlotte. I these guys want to win. I think Boyan is live to play 34 minutes in this matchup if it's competitive and at no ownership as the you know second best dude that's on the floor. 26 and a half minutes, I, I, I can't get behind. There's no chance that I would ever project Boyan for 26 minutes in this game. I think 30 is kind of the floor that you could realistically go to for him right now until we see it happen again. But I think he's very live to just play standard starter rotation if this game is a competitive matchup against, you know, it's a three-point line. He's not, like, I don't see a scenario where he's not closing unless he's telling the coach to not let him close. I love yeah, Boyan here as a GPP pivot. That's what I agree with. I think the most likely scenario is he closes 
there's a wide range of outcomes and it's a good game to target. Nobody's really playing all that much of this game and it's a high total. The prices are relatively cheap. There's value for sure on the Charlotte side with Rogier being traded. Great game to target. One of my favorite ones overall on the slate, especially for GPP purposes. And then I'm a loser till I win the Millie in the YouTube chat said that he thinks Morris is going to come back on Friday. They've got him he's listed as probable on the injury report. So I, I'm yeah. assuming he's playing. Yeah, I didn't I didn't guess that he was coming back today. I, I went with the injury report of I'm probably playing. So let's move on to the Memphis Grizzlies who have had just everybody out for this team and a little bit tilting for me last slate because I late swapped to all of the Santi Aldama that I could get to. He gets off to a slow start, Josh, and then just catches fire, open up the third quarter. I'm looking like, oh my God, Aldama just scored 20 fantasy points in like a seven minute stretch. I'm like, Aldama's yeah. going to be the nuts today. He checks mm-hmm. out of the game like, well, that's kind of weird. Why did he check out so early? And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's Santi Aldama, knee soreness out for the rest of the game. So not going to be playing today. We could add Santi Aldama to the likes of Derek Rose, Marcus Morris, Desmond Bain, John Moran, Brandon Clark, Jake Laravia, anybody who has a pulse on this team other than Jaron Jackson Jr. seemingly is out now. So, Josh, this is a very shorthanded Memphis team. They only have a handful of guys even available to play minutes at this point. With that in mind, who stands out to you against Miami? Just for for, for reference sake, I hate you. You beat me to more Aldama on Monday. You got to 60%. I got to 56 Ah. I, it was it was my favorite play on the slate. That was as much as yeah. I I swapped him as aggressively as I possibly could. And it was going really well Same. until his leg fell off. Yep. I did everything that I could to get as much as I could. And uh, it didn't matter. <laughs> so the guy that's getting the most ownership here for Memphis is John Conchar. Point guard, shooting guard eligible, 4K. He's a, you know, 0.75 guy, generally speaking. We have him pretty massively over-owned from a leverage perspective. He's also 28.5% to be optimal. You're going to see guys be negatively leveraged at the tippy top, but it's not because he's not also the most optimal dude from Memphis. So I have 32%. I don't love chasing the ownership of a John Conchar because he's John Conchar, but they are just so devoid of real NBA players and bodies and people that can play certain positions that his minutes are about as safe as they can be because they just simply do not have alternatives to take those minutes any longer. They just don't have human beings that can step in. It's like they literally don't exist. So I completely agree with the love for John Conchar. We've got David Roddy as the second most optimal guy. That one I'm not as on board for. We also gave Roddy 29 minutes. I only went to 24. That's That's the tricky part. Memphis because I don't have a great feel of what is stepping in to the Santi Aldama role. I have like, I have no real confidence in saying that it's not Roddy. I just like 29 and a half feels heavy. It's also very, very, very in play. So I, I, I'm kind of like splitting the difference on that in my head, but if he's 20% owned, I'm probably not going to get a lot of David Roddy without me bumping up his minutes. And I could certainly bump them by the end of the day. The guys that I'm looking at more, are like $3,500 IR Williams, who's shooting guard only, only 4%, works as a value option. Kennard feels pretty safe as a guy that's going to get around 30 minutes at shooting guard. He's pulling 20% ownership. I feel a lot better about the Kennard 20% than the Roddy 20%. Um, the only guy that really uh, I'm, I'm nervous about here is David Roddy. Like I would like to get a lot of Jaron Jackson, but these power forward center dudes in the high sevens, low eight range, we're just loaded with those guys recently. People are going to hate this, but I think uh, Gigi slash Gregory Jackson, good tournament play today. 
I don't know what the minutes are going to look like for no. minute for uh for Memphis tonight. We're seeing what the field is doing. They're just assuming, like you mentioned, David Roddy gets the minutes. I think he's probably the most likely guy, but yeah. it wouldn't shock me if Gregory Jackson ends up getting those minutes instead. And he's a tenth of the ownership of David Roddy. So two percent on Gregory Jackson. He has tournament upside. We've seen him be a high usage guy when he's on the court. The minutes haven't been there consistently lately, but they did creep up a little bit in the second half last game due to the Aldama injury. So uh, Gregory Jackson, if he's going to remain 2% owned, good tournament play. Wouldn't play him in cash games or anything, but that is a place that I like getting to. Anything else from Memphis? If not, Josh, we could uh, jump to the less appealing Miami side of the game. Yeah, I think we just have to quickly touch on Xavier Tillman, who has, just gets yanked around this team like crazy. But, you know, when he gets real run and they don't mess with him, he plays like 35 minutes a night. They had a couple of games, uh, you know, a while back when a bunch of guys were out. Aldama was also out. Tillman played, and this is after Biombo's gone. Xavier Tillman played 36 minutes. He played 31 the game before that. He played 30 the game after it, 36 a couple games after that. He had a stretch of four straight games, 31, 36, 30, 36. We right now have him in at 28 and a half. I think that number is low because I, I think now in this spot, particularly in a situation where like, I don't know if you want Jaron Jackson Jr. having to deal with Bam for all of the center minutes. I think that Tillman is like more likely to play 34 today. And that's sort of where the David Roddy minutes go from 29 to 26 or whatever little bump you need to go there. Because I just think they're out of options and Tillman is going to like, they don't have any, but everybody that they keep replacing Xavier Tillman with is either <laughs> hurt or not on the team any longer. I think they're out of options. I think he's got one of those voodoo dolls and he's trying to get himself more minutes and he's just sticking the needles into them. It's like, Hey, here's a, here's an injury for jaw to his shoulder. Here's an injury to uh, Santi Aldama to his knee. And now it's just Xavier Tillman putting curses on everybody to get himself extra minutes. And he's the last man standing. They have tried everything they can for whatever reason to not give Xavier Tillman minutes, including signing Bismack Biombo to a 10 day contract and just starting at center over Tillman that night. And Tillman yeah. still uh, ends up finding his way in that starting lineup. So I agree with you. See it the exact same way on the Miami heat side of the game. There's nothing that's all that appealing, like a couple shares of Jimmy Butler. Cause he's super low owned Bam out of bio. You can make a case for him, Kevin love as well, but nothing that I actually get to double digit exposure to. Do you see anything that stands out to you for Miami? I'm getting a lot of Bam right now. I think he's just working as like a pay up to be contrarian, talented dude in a matchup where uh, I don't think the Grizzlies are going to be uh, a, a tough guy to like just beast on. And the reason that I think I'm getting to so much Bam is we've got Alper and Shingun at 8,300, who I do think is a better play than Bam today. We've got Shingun at 45% ownership. We have Bam at eight. That disparity is just not like accurate for how frequently Shangun is going to beat Bam in this spot. We also have Wemby, who at least has power forward here. Wemby's 23% owned. He's also at that $8,300 price tag. I think I'm getting Bam as my like easiest way to be slightly contrarian in GPPs, and that's why I'm getting a little bit of a stand. I have 32% right now. I wouldn't mind if it came down a little, but if I'm going to get a lot of somebody, Bam against a G League Grizzlies team, I'm not mad there in any way. So I like it. For GPPs, but just remember, Shingun is a better play than Bam Adebayo. So let's move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers on the road against the Milwaukee Bucks, who are, I guess, Doc Rivers is going to be, or sorry, Glenn, I forgot. That's is Glenn Rivers, new coach 
for the Milwaukee Bucks. And there's no way this wasn't orchestrated. So I don't know if you saw all the details of this, but they've been using Rivers as an advisor to Griffin for the last month or so, six yeah, Sometime weeks. in December. Yeah. yeah, and then they they fire Griffin. It's like, hey, convenient. We have an agreement in place with Rivers. All sides are good. Like an hour and a half after they fired Griffin. So very, very clear what ended up happening here. They've had this agreement in place with Rivers. So I assume he's going to be good to coach today. Not that it has any real impact on the game, but just kind of an interesting narrative and storyline to it. As far as the Cleveland side of the game goes, Karis LeVert is questionable. And something that kind of sneaky could have some sort of impact here. Tristan Thompson who has been playing backup center minutes for the Cleveland Cavaliers suspended doing a bunch of PEDs or something, a bunch of things I yeah. couldn't pronounce. He tested positive for. Yeah. I think Damian Jones is going to play the backup center minutes, Josh. Same. Nobody's rostering him. Damian Jones is not a bad pointsman and fantasy producer. If he could play 14 minutes, I think there's a little bit of sneaky upside in a flat min price Damian Jones. I went 14 minutes. Um, I'm a little low on his rates, so he didn't show up for me at all. I'm, I guess I'm more of a, a Monty Morris guy for the flat 3K randos for today instead of the Damian Jones. But I don't disagree with what you said. I think Damian Jones is just going to step into that Tristan Thompson role, especially with Evan Mobley still out. And I think Damian Jones just plays whatever minutes Tristan Thompson was going to play today. That becomes Damian Jones. I I took the minutes right out of Tristan Thompson's cell. I gave them immediately to Damian Jones. But I have him as a baseline 0.85 guy in my model, and that's really hampering him a little bit and stopping me from getting to him. We're, we seem to be a little bit more aggressive based on minutes and rates for him, um, which does look good going up against Milwaukee. I'm guessing we don't need him by the end of the day, but there is that sort of path where he has to play. Like if something happens to Jared Allen, Damian Jones is the guy that's up next. Yeah, so uh, not somebody who's a priority, but as a low-owned GPP flyer, Damon Jones is somebody I have my eye on. As for other guys on Cleveland, nobody looks great, but there's a bunch of guys that look good. Max Struess, Donovan Mitchell, uh, even Isaac Okoro I get some exposure to. And it, it, this is really shown in our ownership projections as well because Allen, Wade, Okoro, Mitchell, Struess, they're all projected for right around like 10 to 15% ownership, these guys. And I think it's more or less warranted. Is that how you see it as well? Or is there anybody that you really, really like to take a stand on as things look from Cleveland right now? I only have double-digit exposure to one guy, but I do have six calves in at least one lineup. But the guy that I have double-digit exposure to is Donovan Mitchell at 14%. So it's working as intended. If Levert ends up out, then you bump Mitchell a little bit. You bump Sam Merrill a little bit, who's shooting 40-something percent from three and shooting more threes than anybody in the league in a per 36 rate right now. If he, if, if it kept this rate, it would be the second highest rate ever behind Steph Curry a couple of years ago. So if you just want to know what kind of company he's in for getting threes up, uh, that is what Sam Merrill is doing. Um, but yeah, like it's kind of just the same across the board, like all this 10%, 10%, 15%, 10%, 10% owned type dudes for Cleveland. Only one that I'm getting over the field on is Donovan Mitchell, but I'm happy to grab any little piece here. It's a good matchup against Milwaukee. Yeah, and as for Sam Merrill, he is, when I roster him, he's a 15% three-point shooter. If I fade Sam Merrill, he's a 120% three-point shooter. It's yes. the most ridiculous thing ever. If I do not play Sam Merrill and he's any sort of ownership, as soon as he checks into the game, I'll, I'll go grab a drink or something like that, check the box score. It's like, oh, cool, Sam Merrill's been in for three minutes and he's three of three from three, so... Uh, Sam, I really like Karis LeVert to play. I don't want to deal with the Sam Merrill guy anymore. Same. Done with him. Big, Done with him. Big news, Greg. Big news. 
Yeah. The North Carolina yeah. Lottery Commission voted today to allow mobile sports betting starting March 11th at noon. And I can start creating my betting accounts on March 1st. The Ooh. ACC men's basketball tournament starts on March 12th, the day after. So, <laughs> Not a coincidence. I think that timing is not a coincidence. I don't think so either, but yay me. I needed another mechanism to lose all of my money. <laughs> there we go. And uh, just in time for you to... Uh play some March Madness stuff. They actually do have pretty cool pools on DraftKings that pay like a million dollars to first place for giant NCAA pools. They are pretty fun to join. So you'll be able to do those this year. Let's see. Anything else you want to talk about from Cleveland? If not, we will move on to the Milwaukee side. Nope, I am good. All right, Milwaukee Bucks with a new look at the helm. Glenn Rivers has taken over for Adrian Griffin as the Bucks head coach. And... Is there anything that you think could change from a rotation standpoint? No, I don't think so. Like, you know, you might see like Jay Crowder play more minutes, but they don't have dudes. Like they don't have, they're not sitting on this war chest of like, I can't believe they didn't play that guy more. They kind of have what they have. And I don't think there's a lot of ways to massage that in, in any real way actionable way certainly not for anybody that's going to like play in dfs today i mean maybe rivers is like this big pat Connaughton guy and he goes from 16 minutes a night to like 24 minutes a night i don't know do you know if he's going to be on the sideline today i figured today was joe pronti i'm not sure i it, just because this whole thing seems so orchestrated that i assume it's probably going to be rivers i mean they had a contract for him the 10 minutes after griffin left so i assume that he's going to be ready to go just from that but Maybe not. We shall end up I assume seeing... I assume there's some legalities for it where like it takes a little bit to process and dot the I's and cross the T's and you get Prunty as an interim coach for today and then he makes his debut for... Since I haven't seen anything, that is the assumption that I'm going with. Bucks play again on Friday. Same game at home against the Cavs. I think you get Prunty today. I don't think any of it matters. Yeah, the, the, the one time there was a coaching change that really did matter for DFS was when the Nets fired Kenny Atkinson for starting Jared Allen over DeAndre Jordan. And then you just what knew a dummy. Like, yeah. So, so then you knew it's whoever comes in next is starting DeAndre Jordan and Jordan was a yeah. really cheap price. That was a while ago, but every once in a while I see coaching changes where it does materially impact what the rotations are going to be as things look right now for the bucks. Nothing's really all that much of a priority. If you get to Giannis as a payup option, cool. Not going to have an issue with that. Uh, points per dollar, I think the best overall option on the team is Chris Middleton at yeah. 6,600, but also not really any kind of priority. So I don't have double-digit exposure to anything. I think Chris Middleton is more of a priority than we're showing. We only have him for 29 minutes. I don't agree with that at all. I have him in for 31, $6,600 shooting guard, small forward, only pulling 4% ownership. You know, is it a great matchup against Cleveland? No, it's the number four defense and number 28 team in pace. But he's a 1.17 fantasy point per minute dude over the past 30 days. I got him at 1.15 for the game. Um, I think his minutes upside is a little bit higher. Like last game out, he played 31 and a half. The game before that, he played 33. He, like the whole team only played like 20 minutes a night on the 17th. He didn't play the 14th. He played 33 minutes the night before that. The whole team didn't get to 30 in the game before that. He played 33 and 32. I don't know where 29 comes from, but if you project Chris Middleton for 31 minutes instead of 29, he's one of the better leverage plays that we would have. I think the uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Zolo Baxter. Oh no, it wasn't Zolo Baxter. Almost gave it to the wrong person. Oh, here it was. SMP nineteen ninety three said there's a better chance that 
that Rivers doesn't know who Pat Connaughton is, then he gives him extra minutes. Also very possible. Rivers, I, I think one of the funnier things that I remember uh, Bill Simmons coming up with, and I haven't listened to Bill Simmons in a meaningful amount of time, but he pointed out at one point that when Rivers was the GM and the coach in what it was when he was with Los Angeles, all this free agent signings was just whichever players would have career best games against the Clippers. So I don't yeah. think this is a guy who's super well informed of what's happening around the league. So to your point, SMB, he might very well have no clue back on it's in this. Rock, uh, uh, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue should just call him Rock Divers, the GM, <laughs> and Doc Rivers was the coach. <laughs> That's very funny as well. He's just Glenn to me. He's just Glenn. Yeah. He's he's no doctor in my book. When they when he got cooked with the Glenn by Draymond, that shit was outstanding. <laughs> cool. It was Draymond, right? It wasn't Durant. I don't know why I'm remembering it. It is. It's Draymond. Cool story, Glenn. Right. I don't remember that. Uh, I, it, it sounds like Draymond though. Oh yeah, it was it was Draymond. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, Draymond Green um, was talking smack about uh like a phony foul call when rivers de rivers deadpanned wow that was such a violent bump i'm telling you it was amazing you got to be careful that was too hard i guess that guy at golden state i mean i think the bump was too hard for him clearly the way he reacted and the <laughs> draymond green to knbr on doc rivers comments cool story glenn <laughs> there's there's times where Draymond is very likable. Unfortunately, it's a very small percentage of times because most of the time he's uh, outrageously annoying playing basketball. But uh, good one by by Green on that. Anything else you yeah. want to add from Milwaukee? I've got 12% Giannis. I don't think we, we really need to explain to people that playing Giannis Antetokounmpo might be good. I also took his under on prize picks, so good luck with that. But maybe he uses this one as the motivation to be like, see what could happen if Adrian Griffin is gone, but it's not like he was lacking in offensive ability. 1.78 fantasy points per minute over the past 30 days. He's still just himself all the time. And speaking of prize picks, if you guys are playing there and are looking for another pick and platform to play on, check out Sleeper. Because when you sign up at Sleeper using the link we have below, not do you only get a bonus deposit offer of up to $100. You put in 100, they're going to match 100. There's also a free square offer. If you sign up using the link we have below, you are going to get access to over 0.5 total yards for Lamar Jackson this weekend. So Lamar Jackson is uh, going to be favored in the AFC championship game and a uh, pretty good chance that he has just one total yard in the game. So go take advantage of that. Sign up at Sleeper and play that free square. This is the easiest money you make. $100 deposit match bonus. And then on top of that, also over 0.5 total yards for Lamar Jackson. So go sign up at Sleeper and take advantage of that offer. Next game that we have here is the Portland Trailblazers against the Houston Rockets. And Houston, Oof. after a really strong start to the year, they have started to uh, resemble more of the team we thought they were going to be entering the season. Nobody on the injury report that's new for Portland. We still do have Shaden Sharp, who's out for another couple weeks or so. Uh, Josh, what is standing out to you about Portland? And could we potentially see guys resting here? It is the tail end of a back-to-back. Maybe. I don't know. I don't have a single share. The highest owned dude is Malcolm Brogdon at 6%, which is like the guy that's most likely to not play today on the back-to-back. -back. Jabari Walker is getting a little bit of love on FanDuel where he's 5,800 small forward power forward, but this is the worst team that you can get to today. I, I think as of right now, they have 12% aggregate ownership. That is the lowest mark with Milwaukee, Washington, and Dallas being just behind them, but they're unowned. And 
It's not like playing Houston's a good thing. Top 10 defense, bottom 10 pace. I will be very happy to not have a single trailblazer. I hope they play everybody because I don't want to have to get here. They should not be talked about. My my intuition is that Malcolm Brogdon ends up resting, but we shall see. It's a tail end of a back-to-back. Brogdon's yeah. a veteran. He's not some I'm actually kind of surprised that they haven't we haven't heard rumors of him being traded anywhere because there's no way he's gonna be on this team post-trade right. deadline. And with that deadline approaching, I think it makes all the sense in the world to rest Malcolm Brogdon. But he's not on the injury report right now. So we could assume that he's in if that changes later on deep dive live before lock. Josh and I will be covering that for sure. Other side of the game, we have a massive amount of ownership going to Alper and Shangun, 45%. Fred Van Vliet, 23% on Jabari Smith, 23%. This is one of the more popular teams on the slate, Josh. Amongst yeah. these chalk options, what are you liking? What are you not liking? So I'm mixing it up a little bit, but it's not that I don't like Houston. I think they're in a really nice spot against Portland. They're, Portland's terrible. Houston should really thrive here. I completely agree that Alper and Shangun looks amazing. You know, he's 8,300, 1.4 fantasy points over the last 30 days. He's playing big minutes. We have him in for 35. I went 34. I have no problems with our projections. I agree that he looks incredibly optimal. This dude is probably the best center play that you can get to today. But it's center. It's an eight-game slate. We have all of these guys that always look good in this 5 and 6K range. You find those pay-down options that could exist. I mentioned Bam before. I am way under the field on Alper and Shingun. We have him negatively leveraged to 24, basically optimal rate half of the ownership. If you're playing a cash game, you're putting in Alper and Shingun. And if you're playing GPPs, you're putting in Alper and Shingun. I just think he's the easiest dude to get off of today. And I think that's what's happening for me. I would be just as happy to have 50% Shingun because I think he's just going to mash Portland. I have more of the rest of the team, though. I'm 2Xing a $5,900 Jabari Smith. We have him as a little bit over uh, overowned. I see it. Um, I think the position is really helping me out there, and that $5,900 price tag hasn't been great lately. 0.84 fantasy points per minute. Maybe Portland is the cure for what ails him. I'm neutral to Fred Van Vliet with a V for everybody that never knows that it's a V in his last name, not an F. Uh, I am neutral to that 23% ownership. We have him a little bit uh, over-owned, but nothing too crazy. And then I'm actually getting to a little bit of Dylan Brooks, $5,200 shooting guard, small forward. He's had a bit of a minutes bump as of late. Only 2% owned in this spot. Feels like the kind of day where you let Dylan Brooks take a couple of extra shots to like boost his ego. You know, just, hey, but we're playing Portland, man. Like, if you if you want to shoot, go ahead and shoot today. He played 40 last time out. Now, that was without Fred Van Vliet, without Jabari Smith, no Jeff Green. But previous games to that, 35, he went 39, oh, just shy of 40 on the 17th. He played 31 on the 15th. So, I feel like his minutes have ramped up a little bit. I think they're trying to play him a little more. I think they're seeing how they're, like, fading a little bit. And plus he was out for a while. So maybe he's ramping back up to that starter minutes. I like Dylan Brooks as a GPP option today. Let's move on to uh, some of these West coast games. We got the Phoenix suns taking on the Dallas Mavericks and I've not been playing very much of Phoenix as of late. The problem yeah. with them having Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, all healthy and none of them having any kind of minutes restrictions is that these are all guys that demand the ball in their hands. They all carry some sort of usage and there's so much overlap in their abilities as well. It's not like other super teams we've seen where it's like, hey, here's the big man. Here's the distributor. Here's the score. You got three guys that are all scorers. And it does seem like Bradley Beal has taken the biggest haircut in terms of what his production looks like. 
but I can't really prioritize anything. I know Kevin Durant's coming off a big game, so people might point to that and say, like, hey, look, we just saw a ceiling game out of Kevin Durant. Sure, but it could be Beal who has a ceiling night. It could be Booker on any given night, and all these guys are fairly expensive. So there's nothing I prioritize from Phoenix. If you get to a guy as a last man in out of Durant, Beal, or Nurkic, or Booker, there's no issue with that, but no priorities. I don't have a single share of anybody from Phoenix. The highest owned guy is either Beal or Durant at 5%. The most optimal guy we have is Durant at 7%. Clearly, if you like Bradley Beal, or sorry, um, I mean, I guess, yes, include Bradley Beal to this. But like, if you like Devin Booker, if you like Kevin Durant, they are not the guys that you're like, no, no, don't play those dudes in this spot. But uh, they are not going to look as good as everybody else that's on the slate. So I will probably have none of Phoenix unless I'm swapping to it late because I have freed up a bunch of salary. Eric Gordon's questionable. If he's ruled out, it creates some extra playing time for guys like Josh Koji or Ketabate's job, but it doesn't make them fantasy viable. The other day, no. we had Gordon and Grayson Allen were both questionable. Grayson Allen ended up playing. Gordon sat. If both of those guys were out, it would have opened up minutes on the wing, but it didn't matter because Grayson Allen played. He's not on the injury report for today. So nothing else that really stands out to me from Phoenix. So let's move on to Dallas, Josh, where uh, we do have some pretty important stuff going on here because not only is Luca questionable, Kyrie Irving is questionable, Dante Exum is questionable, he's missed a whole bunch of time, Seth Curry is somebody who could play bigger minutes while these guys get rolled out, but guess what, he's questionable as well. I don't know what to make of the Dallas Mavericks. When you got Luca and Kyrie both questionable, it's just not enough information for us to act on now. No, but if we locked right now with these guys in, I've got 24% Luca at 5% ownership. Uh, you know, he's we have him as a little bit under-owned, we have him as eight and a half percent optimal. You know, we saw him come right back, have a fantastic game last time out, played 39 and a half minutes. I have him in for 37. We basically do as well. I will never be mad that I'm taking a stand on Luke. Like I know 11.3 is a big price tag, but if I'm going to five X the field on somebody, give me five X the field on a dude like Luca. I'm actually pretty happy. Like Shea is the only guy in double digits that you can pay up for today. And I'm light there, but I'm pretty big stand on Luca. Big stand on LaMelo, which I think is going to go away. I'm over on Mitchell. I'm over on Giannis. I'm getting to the top end of this slate more so than I expected, more so than I normally do like early in the day. But I like it here. I mean, he's not going to meet a ton of resistance from Phoenix, and he has certainly given Phoenix the business in the past. Yeah. There's a really interesting opportunity here. If we go into Locke and Luka and Kyrie are both questionable, I really am going to want to make sure that I have flexibility in my lineups because – if Kyrie is in and Luca's out, he looks really good. If Luca's in and Kyrie's out, then Luca looks really good. If both of them are out, there's an insane amount of value that opens up on this slate. So we'll see what ends up happening because I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they just go, hey, let's give Luca and Kyrie the night off and all kinds of value opens up. So check out other content later in the day. And then, of course, our, our projections, ownership projections, those always get updated as players get ruled out. So if you guys want to sign up for any package at Stochastic, use the links that we have below in the description box. And also, post-lock, I hang out on our Discord channel all night. Myself, Rich, Lee, when they're updating the projections, we tell you guys how we're changing our lineups based on the news. Like, I saw somebody in chat earlier who said, ah, I played Xavier Tillman the other night, and it screwed me. Well, guess what? If you were hanging out on Discord that night, we were all global swapping to Santi Aldama. So one of the other reasons, just hang out in Discord, post-lock, because NBA news happens all the time. You do get access to our Discord. You sign up to any package at stochastic.com. Oklahoma. It was Sean Dre that played Tillman, so uh, he was going to get that wrong no matter what. <laughs> okay, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna poo-poo on anybody though, Josh. I'm gonna empower him with the ability to just uh, sit in Discord and listen to what we're doing. 
even if he you told him exactly what was happening, <laughs> he would disagree and screw it up on his own. So uh, you you would have gotten that information. It would have been quality information in our Discord. I'm not telling you to not be in our Discord. I'm telling you to never read his stuff. <laughs> All right, Josh, take, taking shots at uh, and I like how you say don't read his stuff. His stuff, it's three or four comments per show in YouTube chat. If it helps, I did about 30 minutes on him uh, earlier today on the process. <laughs> he was, you, you ran a tight 30 on him. I, I really did. I, I check the tape. Channel it. Uh, everybody oh. that was there for it and that's still in chat, they'll let you know. All right. We'll see. We'll see. I'm sure some comments will be coming in shortly. Uh, just a couple of games left on the slate. Oklahoma City Thunder against the San Antonio Spurs. This is another game that I think is a potential rest spot for OKC. We talked about with Portland earlier. Tail into the back of a back-to-back for Oklahoma City. San Antonio doesn't really pose too much of a threat. I think we still see the core guys out there like SGA, but you know maybe like Lou Dort sits or something like that. He missed a game and all that long ago. We shall see. As of right now, nobody's on the injury report, though. Really good matchup against the San Antonio Spurs. Tail end of a back-to-back. What is standing out to you from OKC, Josh? Just the the same guys that normally do. We're seeing Chet 8% owned. I have it. Um, you know, I'm happy to get there. Jalen Williams is pulling 10% ownership. That makes some sense to me. Shea's 13% owned. We have them 12% optimal. You know, you're never upset to get Shea, particularly in a matchup against the Spurs. These guys are all just fine. They're like completely reasonable guys to play in GPPs, but I don't see anybody that I'm like really excited to get to. The Spurs defense has been a bit better as of late in comparison to where they were at the beginning of the season, you know, moving to Wemby to play more at the five, I think is really helping them out in that regard. Um, I have very little here, just a little bit of Chet, a little bit of Shea. I would totally take some Jalen Williams, but they don't look as good as I thought they would. The tail end of the back-to-back definitely hurts their playing time upside a little bit. It is a good matchup against the Spurs, but yeah, I'm kind of surprised as well, Josh. There's nothing I really get to meaningfully here. player I have the most of is SGA right now in 15% of lineups. He is a little bit underpriced, in my opinion, particularly on DraftKings. Playable on FanDuel as well at a more expensive price point. Uh, But SGA has just been incredible this year. But with that said, there isn't really anything that I get to outside of him at any kind of real meaningful amount from OKC. And if players are resting, that'll change things, but doesn't look like it's going to be the case as of now. As for the other side of the game, what do you think the playing time upside is for Victor, for Victor Wembanyama? Because we have now seen him slowly start to come off that minutes restriction. Last four games, 27 minutes, 27 minutes, 28, 28. Could we see 30 minutes from Wemby tonight? So SMP brought this up on the process show this morning. So shout out to him for it. But they are back in San Antonio now. And there is a non-zero chance that today is his ankle evaluation day. Whether or not we get any of that information is going to be up for debate. But it's possible that like the restriction goes away today. At which point then I would probably be projecting him for 30 minutes. Even in a 26-minute projection, which is what I have in right now, I'm getting 16%. He's projected for 23. We have him at 27.3. I kind of want to give him another minute. I tend to try to not do it since I don't. I haven't had any expectation that he could really pick up a right tail outcome in playing time. So I try to be a little bit more muted in, in those situations. But I think we're opened up to that a little bit more. And if it does, 1.9 Fantasy points per minute over the last 30 days for Victor Wembenyama in this battle of him versus Chet, which is super fun to think about. 
he looks like a really good play right away if you're just giving him 26 minutes and he could look even better today. He's the best play on San Antonio for sure. One of the best plays on the slate for me as, as far as I'm concerned because it's he's picking up some ownership here, you know, 23%. But you mentioned the fantasy production has been ridiculous. And if you look at the entire year stats, it still looks really good for Wemby. But think about how highly touted a prospect he is and all this skill set. There's no player that I would expect to improve more over the course of the season than Wemby. And we're really starting to see it in recent games. I mean, we're seeing spots where he scored north of 50 fantasy points in 18 minutes. And if we're going to start to see 30 plus minutes for Wemby, we're going to see some crazy stat lines going forward. And I'm willing to take a chance. Those minutes start to increase. And by the way, he looks good, even if you only project for 28 today. If you do yeah. assume that he could play north of 30, I, I think that he could score as many fantasy points as any individual player on the slate. So I like Wemby. Nothing else really stands out. It's kind of Wemby and then, you know, a couple Keldon Johnson lineups, Trey Jones, but nothing significant. I'm I'm 2Xing Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell, which is kind of in line with what we have. Like we have them both as slightly positive leverage plays, Keldon Johnson in particular. Uh, no big stance, like it's 16% of both guys, but I am getting to little pieces of that San Antonio team. Uh, also of note, I was surprised by this when I looked this morning. Wemby is uh, back to the betting favorite to win Rookie of the Year, surpassed Chet after this recent crazy stretch of games for Wemby. I do think Chet has been better overall for the year. I have bet both Wemby and Chet at plus money, just as the market moves taking the other side. So on the entirety for the season, I do think Chet has been better to this point. But going forward with the improvements Wemby's making, wouldn't be surprised if it is uh, Wemby, who's the better player the rest of the season. Final game on the slate, Josh. Atlanta Hawks taking on the Golden State Warriors. Trey Young, concussion protocol. He is going to be out today opening up all kinds of ownership and value here. We've got Bogdan Bogdanovich project for 42% ownership, Sadiq Bey at 29%, then Onyeko Kongu, Jalen Johnson, DeJounte Murray, they're all right around 20% as well. This is a great team to be targeting. What are you prioritizing? This team is going to be a real problem. A real, real problem. So I got a ton. I have 80% of Bogdan Bogdanovich right now, who's 43% owned, gets a massive bump to assist rate and usage rate with no tray. I've got 54% Onyeka Okongwu right now, who has been picking up a couple extra minutes as of late, $4,600 power forward center, and you know certainly just looks a little bit better in this spot. You see DeJounte Murray pulling 20% ownership. That's going to be the natural place for everybody to go. I think he's properly owned. We have the exact same optimal rate there too. I like Sadiq Bey at 5,100. He's the kind of guy that can just get like an extra shot or two, which is pretty important when you're at that price tag with his MPE. Jalen Johnson certainly picks up a bigger role as well. I'm just, I'm getting a ton of this. I don't know how you don't get like Bogdanovich, Capella, Murray, Jalen Johnson, Onyeko Okongwu, Sadiq Bey. Like these guys are all just really, really good options for today. And you should be trying to get a bunch of them. I think Bogdanovich is the best one you can get. And Murray is also not nearly as popular as he should be, in my opinion. Just under 20% ownership. He looks underrepresented. Bogdanovich, one of the top chalk plays on the slate. I, I think that it totally makes sense, the ownership that's going to him. Yeah, this is a team that makes a whole lot of sense to be getting to. Lots of guys projecting well. And it's going to be a team I have a lot of exposure to. Are there any tournament flyers you like from them off the bench that aren't picking up all that much ownership? No, I am not going to go to Patty Mills, Trent Forrest, to Garrison Matt. I mean, I guess I am going to go to Garrison Matthews. I have 2% of him, but like, I'd rather not go to Garrison Matthews, uh, AJ Griffin. I, I just want to unload multiple barrels on all of these guys that are going to play like 24 plus 
And that's sort of what we're seeing. Like I got Capella in for 25. I've got a Kongu in for 25. We have it at like 24 and a half, 24 and a half. I, it's creating me getting to a lot of a Kongu because of that power forward eligibility. But no, I just, I just, I fully expect to have a ton of this Atlanta team. I love having a ton of this Atlanta team just for like late swap purposes throughout the night. It makes moving through this all very uh, significantly easier, but this is a team pulling 135% aggregate ownership. This is the high mark of anybody on the day. Makes sense. I mean, Trey Young is out. He does so much for the team in terms of usage, ball handling, playmaking, minutes, and all that. It opens up a lot to like from Atlanta. Not on the other side of the game, though. So the Golden State Warriors, it is actually a slight downgrade for them with Trey Young being out because the Hawks do play at a slightly slower pace without Trey Young. And Trey Young's also uh, just terrible on the defensive end. But with that said, I don't think I was going to really be prioritizing anything from the Golden State Warriors either way. There's a good amount of value on the slate. And nothing really stands out from Golden State because guys like Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, everybody just seems past prime for the Golden State Warriors. And even Steph, as sad as it is to say, he's just not shown the same kind of upside this season. No, and it's either Steph or Clay that you're getting to in this game, and I think that's probably it. If Pajemski ends up out, like you kind of start squeezing out a little bit of extra value to potentially other guys. But, uh, I mean, it's single-digit ownership across the board to all of them. It's... I don't, I don't really see how anybody could be prioritizing anything here for Golden State other than the fact that it's a good matchup. Anything that you're really getting to at all here outside of those guys? Because I agree with you. It's I've got uh, 1% of Steph. I've got 3% of Clay. But, I mean, that's underweight to each of them. And then uh, nothing else, not getting to the Sarge ownership, is nearly a 10% either. Like, Sarge at 5,300 is already, like, to me, too tough to grab at this point. Like, everybody's price is sort of just stabilized into this morass of, like, 5K, 6K dues. 5,400 Wiggins, 6,100 Pajemski, 53 Sarich, 58 Draymond, 59 Kaminga, 63 Clay. Like, all these guys are just, like, the exact same dude at a different position. And when that kind of happens, you just start looking. And, like, none of them are extraordinary per minute dudes. You know, you're talking about around, like, 0.9 to a fantasy point per minute, depending on who we're talking about. It just makes it really difficult to choose the right guy from his own team, let alone for the rest of the slate. And that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you very much for watching. If you're not done yet, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you want to sign up for a Stochastic membership and get access to all of our data and tools that get updated throughout the day, sign up using one of the links we have below. And don't forget that also gets you access to our Discord channel. So if you ever have questions for myself on Live Before Lock, you can throw those into the Discord chat, as well as any questions you might have post-lock when we're not on shows. So... That's going to do it for us today, guys. Check out all the rest of the content on the YouTube channel and an NFL strategy show. That's coming up next, so check that out as well. Peace out.